to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, River Church. And we're ministering a new message this morning, a new series. And I've called it How to Know Your Life, How to Know How Your Life Will Turn Out. Or Know How Your Life Will Turn Out. Ah, that ought to be interesting. Can you know? Are we going to do fortune telling up here? Are we going to... We're going to do a reading or whatever? No, but we can be just as sure or more positive of what, how our life will turn out. You know, the Word tells you the end from the beginning. So uh, the Word says in the Old Testament that Issachar, the tribe of Issachar out of the 12 tribes, knew the times or the seasons of what Israel ought to do. And he called it a gift. He called it a great endowment. Well, we ought to know what God's going to do in the church and in our lives. Amen? Amen. We ought to know. Don't, we should not be ignorant, brethren, about the times that are coming. So I would like for you, if you would, to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to minister on vision this morning. Vision this morning. Hallelujah. We are looking to a new year coming up in 2022. Uh, I've had several people ask me, and maybe you've heard the same thing, uh, and the question usually is couched about this, is your church finally coming back after the COVID? Yeah, and this is a common question because this is a lot of people's experience in their church is that people just scattered like uh, chickens with the fox in the house, and most of them or many of them have not come back. So the devil has really done a great disservice to us. But on the other hand, he's uh, kind of measured us. Those that took off, maybe they needed some strength in their life, some, some courage in their life. But I always get to tell them we never lost one. We never, nobody ever left. But I've heard other pastors, pastors I love and esteem say, we lost several dozen and they have never come back. They have never. So I was talking to a relative the other day and said, well, gosh, when when will you say this pandemic thing is over when there's not one reported case in the whole United States? Uh, what is the line? And it's like, I don't know, but it's got to be it's got to be something that's out there. Well, this thing could hamstring a lot of people for the rest of their lives. If you have to have that, but even smallpox and malaria, which has been vanquished in the U.S., even then, some there's a there's a case that pops up here and there. Is that right? Yes. And you'll you'll see medicines that are advertised on TV, and it'll say, well, if you've had tuberculosis, be sure and don't take this medicine or stuff. So there's stuff out there, and I am not really talking about the COVID. I'm just talking about it really screamed a lot of people what was really already in them. It's like buying insurance and then something comes through and is hard on, hard on your business. Everybody wants to go check and see what their policy, what it covers. Did I have good insurance or bad insurance? Well, this thing, and there'll be others like it, is screening people to see what kind of insurance or what kind of coverage they had in the Lord Jesus. I'm real proud of us that at, on this point, none of us scattered. So there's a new year coming, and uh, it's got promotion in it. But like Jonathan said, we have to be ready for it. We have to uh, 
uh, have a heart of obedience before it ever gets here. But we're looking into a new year that has promotion that comes from the Lord. It is impossible for you to be faithful over a few things and not be master over many things. It's impossible. I said it cannot happen. That if you are faithful over a few things, no matter how it looks today or how it seems tomorrow, it's impossible that you won't be master over much. The Lord is investing us with his goodness so he can advance the kingdom. So I've become, as I think about this next month, the last month of 21, that nothing that worked in 21 is necessarily guaranteed to work in 22. The strategy, the blueprint, the plan that he had for you and me to not only engage this year, not only be sustained in this year, but to win in this year might not be the plan at all for 2022. We ought to check. We ought to stop and say, is this thing got a warranty on it or is it uh, just for this year? I have decided to uh, uh, to th think I'm I'm decided not to think small in a faith world. My world is a faith world. How about you? My world is a faith world. I'm not listening to the newspapers or the newscasters to decide what tomorrow would be like. I'm in a faith world. But you can think small in a world even if you are a faith person. So we have to think big in small places. We've got to believe big in small places. And I have decided in my vision for 22 to not be limited. Not be limited by uh, a culture of finances. You know, inflation's this and prices are for that and uh, supply chains are this or that. And so I've decided not to be limited by any of that. I have what I need when I need it. And it's in abundance. I've decided not to be limited by my body. Point to yourself and say, not you. Not you. It's not going to happen. It could have happened. It could be that you were limited in some way or, or uh, uh, had the fear of being limited. But we just shut that off at the end of this year or right now and say next year will be different. I, I am master over much and it requires more than being just faithful over a little. And it'll be a different year. I've decided not to be limited by people. Good people. Uh, Well-meaning well people. But nevertheless, limited with an assignment to limit others. This thing, this COVID thing, lots of people have tried to limit you and me because of their limitation. Tried to grab onto you the proverbial... Uh, you jump in to save somebody in, in, a, in the water and they grab you in a way that pulls you under. Well, I'm not going to let that happen the next year. I'm jumping in to save them. Praise God. And I've decided not to be limited by the unrighteousness that's in the world that the word seems to tell us is going to get worse and worse. Darkness is, is uh, around us. And the word says in Timothy that in the end days, perilous times will come. So we got to decide. These things are not just a, an evolvement where you just say what will be will be. If it's good, it'll be good. You got you to make up your mind. I have a vision and in this are certain elements and in this are certain that are not certain elements. I'm going to change my future by changing my mind and changing my vision, my dream. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ again and again and again. I'm going to be refreshed by the presence of the Lord. 
And it takes a commitment. It's not just like, well, we made it through this year. We will make it through next year. The devil has a whole new assignment against you, a whole new plan, a, a blueprint designed for America. He's, he's taken some steps to take us down, and he's, uh, he's got a plan B after plan A. And we stop every plan of the evil one. You go, well, not us. We're just way little this and not very many of that. And we are the ones. You are the ones. You got to see yourself like the Lord sees you. You are the ones. Those 200 men that went up the hill with uh, Gideon, because they drank the water out of the river, right? They took the land. They took, they took out the Midianites. They, they won. And it wasn't hardly any of them. Yay. So it's us. So in Ephesians chapter 5, I'm, I'm looking here that, uh, about this, this putting on the Lord Jesus again and again. And it says in verse 18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So point yourself with me and say it, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I looked it up in the, in the Amplified. It says, do not get drunk with wine, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Ever be filled and stimulated by the Holy Spirit. So we're checking in. In 2022, we're checking in. It's not business as usual. It's not like what worked last year ought to work this year. It might not be at all. And for sure, whatever we did last year in 21 would only to do it again would just be to maintain what we've got. He wants us to take new ground in 22. I said new ground. Now, this thing is happening in the world where uh, you just listen to Joe Morris, listen to Billy Bram, listen to anybody that you trust that's that's uh, not not off the edge. And you'll find out that they believe uh, not just a, a feeling, but according to events, according to timing, according to calendars, that the Lord Jesus could very easily come back in the next four to seven years. Could be in the morning. But there are certain signposts that, that indicate uh, what time of year he will come back and what year he will come back. Well, we don't care because we're going to be busy about the master's business. But you understand just because you and I don't care doesn't mean it's not affecting the world around us. There's a reaction by the Antichrist, by the devil himself, to these events where, where, uh, where evil is poured out, where darkness is poured out, more grace is being poured out. And so we got to be, be upgraded, so to speak. we got to put on more than we did because there's being more poured out than there was. Now, we, we mastered, we, we met and mastered the troubles of 21, but there may be some new variations for 22, and we need to be there before it does. Not just meet them and say, oh, I, I need to go pray, I need to prepare. We need to be ready before it gets here, because we know the seasons of the church. We know the times of the church. Amen. We're not waiting for something to happen to say, well, it must be that time. Amen. So... Uh, It, it points to why I believe, and I believe you believe, why we have church. There's a lot of reasons for people that go to church. Some of them it's entertainment. Some of it's duty. Uh, some of it's fear. Fear if I don't go to church, the devil will whack me or he'll let the devil whack me. You know the sign going to Montgomery that says, 
go to church or the devil will get you. Well, you go, that's crazy. Nah, it's, it's pretty true <laughs> in a sense. I mean, in a sense. Uh, uh, so church is where we get equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's what it is. We're not here for entertainment. It can be very entertaining. We're not here because it's fun, although we hope it is fun. It's not because it gives us comfort. It gives identity, although we should have all of that. But we're here to be equipped. Equipped to do what? The work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? The edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Now, that's why you're here. And if you don't like that, anybody that would say, I don't want to be equipped. I don't want to do the work of the ministry. That's what we pay him for. And if he doesn't want to do it, well, we'll just get, get us a new boy. Well, that's a lot of that going on. But the truth is, that's what the word says about you and me. We're here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Well, there's a lot more in the body of Christ than there is in River Church. So we're being equipped here to go there. Amen. So uh, we are equipped to do all the work of the ministry. So that would be apostolic, that would be prophetic, that would be evangelical, that would be uh, the pastor shepherding the feeder, that would be uh, the teacher, that'd be the fivefold ministry. All of us would have some derivative, some part of that, if not a full-blown gift that we just had never discovered. Uh, I didn't go into the ministry until I discovered who, what God had put in me. Uh, we, we likened it when it happened to us that you used to, nobody knows what this means, but you used to put a quarter in a phone, a payphone, and you could hear that nickel or that quarter going down and then clink, it went into the cash box. Well, that's how it felt when we went into the ministry, when we got endowed or endued with, uh, with uh, the glory on high. Well, that's what's happening now. We're all getting endued with power from on high. And you may not have the quarter sensation, but you'll know. You'll know when it changes. And it always changes after you're looking to be changed. When you get hungry and thirsty, the, the, Jesus said, they shall be satisfied and fulfilled. So what you're hungry for is the kingdom. Here am I, use me, send me, do with me, Lord, your, your call. My, my, my call is to answer your call. Well, when you do that, well, then he shows up. I mean, he, he's not showing up where people that says, I'm running from God and I'm not having any of it, which we have all probably had a little dab of that at one time or another. Uh, but here we are. We're saying, God, I want to do more. I, I've done the world. We've all done the world. I mean, we've we've all had cheesecake and uh, and we've all had ribeye. We've whatever you think is the this is the best of the world. We've all had the fancy shoes and and uh, and got us a new chrome uh, doodly do to hang off our mirror in our car, whatever that is. We've all tasted of the world. Probably all there is. Uh, rich people tasted a little different but it's no more enjoyable or gratifying to them than it is for us. Cheesecake is cheesecake. If it costs $100 a slice or just costs $4 a slice, it is good, good. <laughs> we like cheesecake, hallelujah. Um, so we're equipped to do the work of the ministry and we need a vision for that. We need to see it before it comes because if you're like me, you, you notice that 21 went fast and your birthday came around 
It's cheating. It's not waiting 12 months anymore. It's coming in seven. <laughs> it feels like it. So uh, we've, we've never been in this place before. We've never been this old. We've never understood the kingdom like we do now. We've never been around people and invited them into our lives like we are now. We've never understood the word like we do now. We've never been accosted by the devil in ways that we are now. So it's a new day. And to meet the new day, it's not that we need more power. Lord, send the power. He sent the power. He sent the power. Well, Lord, we, we need you to show up and heal us. He sent healing. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us of our destruction. We don't need more money. Lord, send some money. He thinks that he, Jesus became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. He thinks it's done. So what do we need to make anything happen? We need vision. I, I wrote down here, what is it that makes the great great? It's not more money. Y'all know some real slugs and cheaters and swindlers that have lots of money? That doesn't make you great to have a lot of money. And yet I've seen people, known of people, that didn't have much money, and they were great, truly. Uh, the question then comes after what makes the great great is, what is it about greatness? Are men and women born into greatness? Are people that turn out great, were they just born to be great? And then the rest of us that aren't great, were, God just didn't endow that. He just didn't, he didn't articulate that. You'd have to ask if greatness is predestinated. That'd be a question that'd come up, you know, because that, that doctrine, it's a false doctrine for how it's parlayed, is like, uh, are, are, were they predestinated to be to be great, and, and they couldn't help it. It just was gonna happen no matter what. And it, no matter what I did, it couldn't happen, or whatever. So you gotta ask that question. Why are some people great and others not great? What makes the great great? Is, is it something that we have control over? It, does the Lord come and say, I wanna make you great? Well, he's, actually the Lord Jesus said, he, he would be great in the kingdom will be the servant of all. So he did answer that question, but it's not like the world thinks at all. Uh, so, or should we just float along like a leaf on the river, just go down wherever the river goes and just accept destiny or fate or whatever? If he wants to make me great, he can. And if, if he doesn't, I'll just be what I am and I'll be happy about that. There's a lot of questions that are really demanding you and I to have a reaction, either to blow it off and say, I don't care, I don't doesn't matter, or to say, if God has something, I need to pay attention. If he's got a future for me, and maybe he does, oh, absolutely he does. If he has a future for me, what is it, and do I have a part to play? What makes the great great? It could be that somebody would be great because there was a vision given to them, the same as everyone else, and they reacted to it. They said, I'll do this, and then tomorrow, if it changes, I'll do that. And we just keep obeying God and keep walking with God, and faithful over little makes you great, master over much. Not great in the sense of power or dominance or some sort of thing, but great in the kingdom where the Lord says, that woman, that man has great value to me. And we see it all in the, in the Bible where there's people that had value. Paul had great value. The apostles had great value. Some, but then on the other hand, you go, there was 12 of them, but you can't name all 12 of them. Probably. I mean, who's Thaddeus? 
Who's Bartimaeus? Who, who are these dudes? We, they never did anything that we know of except just keep the boat from tipping over on that end when the good guys got in on this end. It, they, they were just dead weight, lead weight. So uh, what is it that makes us valuable in the kingdom? I, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but sometimes you've got to have a question to be answered. What is it that makes you and me more valuable in the kingdom than other people, if we are, or what makes you more valuable now than you used to be? Or have you tapped out all the value that God would say, I've assigned to you. I've assigned to you to be this. Certainly, if you're going to be a prophet, you ought to get born again. You ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But there's no evidence that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be a prophet or an apostle. But you sure won't be if you don't get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. So we should... We should respond to the vision and say, I'll go until he says, whoa. I'll study the word. I'll be around great men and women that, that will cause that to come into my life. We just go as fast as we can, as we want. You don't want to go fast? Just put it in park. That's the one on the far left. You just cram it up there and where it says P. You, that's where you put it and you will go nowhere. Or you can put it down in D and then hit the, hit the gas pedal. That's how the kingdom is. It's not predestinated what will be will be. It's just whatever you want to do. And there's steps and stages. Get born again. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get into a family that has like precious faith. Respond when the Lord says, like Jonathan, he says, do it this way. You do it. And then you wait and see what happens next. So there's no static position. There's no, nothing where you just say, I'm just waiting on God. There's no such thing as I'm just waiting on God. You're either moving forward or moving the other way. One thing that comes up all the time is, is, uh, is there a bar? I'd love to teach on this. It's, this is what moves me as much as anything. Is there a bar that everybody has to that everybody's judged by, you know, like, well, I, you, you won this many people to Jesus. Well, that's the bar. If you won 32, then we should all win 32. Or if you gave this to missions, $5,000, we should all give what that there's a common bar. But, you know, that's not what it is. It's different for all of us. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Let's look at a story we all know well in Matthew 25. We're talking about knowing where your life will turn out. You can know it. Chapter 25 of Matthew. This thing is so powerful. It's so prophetic. And yet it's so practical for, for us in this day. It explains so many things. I just, I can't hardly get out of Matthew 25. Verse 14 says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man. Wow. We're fixing to see something in, in everyday terms that tells us, that explains, that opens up the kingdom of heaven. This isn't like, well, I got a little story I want to tell you all and see what you can think of it. He said, I'm telling you the whole kingdom of heaven. It, what he's saying is it won't be different than this. So he says the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, 
and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so when he had received five talents, the one who had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, which is a measure of money. Talents is a measure of money in that day. And it doesn't matter if it's dollars or yen or rubles. Uh, behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And here's verse 21. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now that is the kingdom of heaven. Is, am I right? Is that the kingdom of heaven? The Lord Jesus said it was. He said, this is how it is, and this is how it will go. And if you don't like it, you don't believe it, you don't want to do it, you have a bad attitude, and you're not going to enter into that, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You'll be stuck in the kingdom of corruption, of, of, uh, of physical things, natural things. And you'll just be dog, eat dog, sit on the can. Uh, uh, yeah, and can all you get. It'll be the early worm, early bird gets the worm, that sort of thing. It'll just be natural, competition in comparison. You just do the best you can, and every day you get up and go again. He said, or you can go into the kingdom of heaven and just take what I've given you and do with what I've given you and be judged on that no matter what. But he went on there and he said he would receive, two, 22, two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained other two talents beside them. And look, his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Same thing, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So the five-talent guy got no more commendation, no more credit, no more reward than the man that had two. So that means if I'm not an apostle, or I'm not a prophet, I'm not this and I'm not that. I can take what I am and turn it, do business in the kingdom and have the same reward from the Lord as the one that is called to the nations. And if he doesn't do his job as well as I do mine, I'll have a greater reward. Just staying right here in my place, just pouring out of my gifting, uh, just seeking God and learning and, and, and obeying him. He said, I'll, I'll pony up. And then you know the story of uh, he had received the one talent, came, said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, lied about it, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed, strewed. And I was afraid, went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast thou, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said, this isn't going to work. This is worldly. And said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strewed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have least played in the world system. To have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming, I should have received my own with usury. Therefore, take the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. Now, that is the kingdom. 
of heaven. Take from him what he didn't use for the kingdom and give it to him that did. That is working all the time right now in your life. Now, we all, a lot of world wants to say, oh, no, 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 they, they don't have anything. I got a lot. I ought to be equal. We ought to all be equal. That's against the kingdom of heaven. It could be that you'd say that's capitalism or whatever, another system. But it's not socialism and it's not communism where we all have the same. Now, you can agree, disagree, not like, like, whatever. But that is the kingdom of heaven. That if you're faithful over little, you will be master over much. And you will have the, the assets, as it were, of the ones that are unfaithful. There's a great wealth transfer that's happening right now from the hands of those that don't know God, can't hold on to what God has given them to turn and to steward. It's, it's coming out of their hands. You can't give people money to fix their deal. You have to give them the kingdom of heaven and say, I know you had not got much. I know this looks pretty bleak, but if you'll just do something, if you'll just do something for the kingdom with what you have, he will multiply it. He will bring it to you and you'll have more to do more and you will be master over much. It's, it's the kingdom, but I'm not getting along very good here. But the truth is, each one of the five and the two men turned 100% of their stewardship. We don't know if that's all that could be done, but that's all they did, and the master was pleased. So next year, it could be when he gives them five and two, he wants them to bring 12 and four or five. We don't know that. It doesn't matter. But in this case, they turned to the maximum of their capacity the most they could do based on their opportunity. And so that says that everybody's got an opportunity. You know, we, we read the story of Kenneth Copeland when he was way starting, way back there. He was in the church service, didn't, didn't have anything to give, but they gave him a visitor card and a pencil, a little bitty pencil. And so he said, well, this is my pencil. They don't care if I take it out, it's my pencil. So he sewed the pencil into the offering. He, he did all he could with what he had at that moment. Well, the rest is history. And that's what's happened for you and me. And we didn't tell. We didn't trumpet it and say, look, 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 I'm bringing my tithe. I, look, look, I'm giving a big offering. Look, I'm the... Jesus said you have your reward when you trumpet. But we just do it. And nobody knows. And yet the kingdom of heaven works in such a way that increase comes into our life. So we have to have a vision of that. We have to see that or we'll just go by feelings and emotion and the present opportunity. We'll give when we have it or we'll, we'll do when we've got time instead of saying, this is my life. When you bring your tithe into the storehouse, that's faithful over a little. It's the minimum standard for a covenant person. We don't even really get into the stuff that the seed and the offering comes until we've met the minimum standard, which is Jesus is Lord. Tithing means Jesus is Lord. Just because you're separated from 10% of your money does not mean Jesus is Lord. But Jesus is not Lord of anyone that will not give 10%. Take that broadcast. Hallelujah. That's the truth. So we're going to give because we have a heart to give and it's stewardship. 
Now here I, I got a scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, and here's what it says. Because we're talking about the bar. Is it the same for everybody? Well, there's a man that had five. There's a man that had two. There was a man that had one. And so they had different requirements or different stewardships on them. And according to what they had been given, they could parlay that into an amount or, a, or an asset. And the Lord would be just as pleased with any of them. It wasn't like, ah, son, you, you only brought four. Uh, you only brought three or you only brought six. This guy brought ten. He's, he's the better man. He didn't do that, did he? He, he said he did, everybody did with what they had. Well, the scriptures in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Wow. So that says, I'm not in competition with anybody else. I don't have to giddy up with somebody else that's doing this or has done that and say, well, if I want to have what they have, I got to do what they did. No, no, that's a wrong vision. And it causes a lot of heartache in the kingdom when people are competing or comparing themselves to other people, thinking that we're all the same. But he has set the members in the body severally as it has pleased him. So if you're the little toe in the body, if you're, or you're the brain, you're, you're, you're the, the, the corabellum, the antebellum, the cerebellum, yeah, Sarah, you remember Sarah. Uh, if you're the cerebellum, you know, whatever, you go, I, I'm running this show. No, you're not running anything. You just run your part, and the rest of us will get an award, reward based on what we have and what we do. This is very refreshing. It makes heaven fair. It makes not all of us to be the cerebellum. Wouldn't that be a crazy thing? If we're all trying to trade in our little finger for a piece of the cerebellum. And so we don't have to. We just get in our, get in our place and do our part under the anointing, under the grace, under the instruction, in obedience to Holy Ghost, and we have set our course to be well done, thou good and faithful. Thou hast been faithful over who you are and what you have. I will, I will, I will. God will make you master over much. And we don't even know what that looks like. We, we don't even know how to aspire to master over much. We don't even know what that means, and we don't care. We just want him to be pleased. The master was pleased with two, and he was obviously displeased with the one that didn't do anything. So how did they please the master? They, they saw the vision that God or the steward or the master had put on them. They saw them attaining their calling. So the man that had two, why did he just have two? Because it was according to his ability. For whatever reason, he did not have the ability of the man that got five. He was different. Maybe you just got in to the, to the, and maybe you just had, didn't have education. Whatever the reason, but the Lord said, ah, you can do this. And right now, every one of us, we could say, the Lord is saying, you can do this. You're not behind. You just pick up where you are right now. Just pick up where you are today and say, giddy up. I, I should have been last year and I could have been the year before and I had a bad attitude and I was deceived. Whatever the reasons are that we get behind, you just stop your little wagon and you just say, we're fixing to put a new horse on this thing and we're going to giddy up. 
it's real refreshing that the Lord will, he, he'll redeem you for all the, the years, the palmer worm and the canker worm and the, and the bad worm, whatever those guys were. Whatever they ate up, the Lord said, I'll fix it. When I got the Holy Ghost in 1980, I was wroth with the Lord because I was, all those Assembly of God guys, had, they'd had it since they were just way little and they'd been speaking in tongues and I don't know what else they were doing, casting out devils maybe, maybe not. But I went to the Lord and I said, here I am practically, I, I'm middle age. I was 27. <laughs> Half of my life is over. <laughs> I did. I went to him and I said, here I am. And he told me, I will make it up to you. And that's what he's telling every one of us. Whatever. Just repent, confess it and say, I messed up. And then he says, okay, we're back to even. According to your ability, whatever it is, you got a slow start, you got a bad start, you had a bad attitude, whatever. But according to what you have right now, let's double it. Let's enter into your capacity and be faithful over that. And all of a sudden, people that had started out strong and looking good, they got bored. Or they got caught up with the blessings of the Lord that came with their calling. You know, he'll give you stuff to fulfill your calling. But if you start getting interested in the stuff... You'll forget your calling. Has that ever happened before to anybody? Well, yea, verily. Yeah, it happens all the time. So they start out fast. They start out good. The blessing of the Lord comes on them to do their calling. And they get caught up in it. That exact scripture that uh, Jonathan read us this morning. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Well, the, the second part of that is... Let me just read that to you. It's right here. It says, uh, And it shall be, if thou do at all, forget the Lord thy God. Oh, you quit being faithful over a little. If it shall be, if thou shall do all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. You'll be like the one talent man. It won't go your way. And you'll go, well, I'm smart and I'm educated now and I, I've got position because the Lord made me master over much. You can lose it on the weekend if you go the other way. We, he, he's the source. <laughs> he's the strength. He's the revelation. He's the door opener. He's everything we need. But we have to have a vision of that. What these two men had, that five-talent guy and the two-talent guy had, was I have a vision for doubling what the master has put in me. Irrespective of he's got more than I do, I believe I'll have me a little pity party, and I think I'll get mad, and I think I'll complain. Uh, I talked to a man this week, and he said... Uh, he said, uh, the Lord told him, I will not inhabit the gripes of my people. <laughs> the complaints of my people. I, I do not in, inhabit the, the complaints of my people. And so we're always having to keep ourselves straight because the path to get off the path is so available. You can get worldly in just a little bit. And if you ever start complaining about, well, Lord, they got more than me. Yeah, leave them alone. Did y'all get that? Leave them alone. Just stay on your path and you, you'll be so fine. Um, so I wrote this down. 
It's a little long, but it sounds just like me. Your life will not exceed what you believe, what I believe. Your life will not exceed a belief. The belief being that my purpose, my worth, my value to my generation. In other words, I was born in 1953. I'm in that generation. I'm a baby boomer. And so I have to have value and worth to my generation. I'm not George Washington in his generation. I can't do what he did or have what he had. So to my generation, my life will not exceed what I believe to be my worth to my generation. So you, you just got to say, I'm valuable. He put me in this generation. He made me a, a male. He made me shorter than the average male. <laughs> uh, whatever you can go down and say, this is who I am. I speak English. I'm Caucasian. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Whether it's an attribute in the world or a negative, you got to say this. I'm valuable to my generation. And when you get a vision of how valuable you are to your generation, then you open your gate or your door and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Doesn't look like I fit, doesn't seem like I fit, and who I am and what I've done with my life doesn't seem like it parlays with the world, but it does. And you get available. Amen. Your life will not exceed what you or what I believe to be my purpose, my value, my worth to my generation. You go, no, I, my value is to my family. I'm a homemaker. I'm a caregiver. I'm a, I'm a breadwinner. That's, it's to my family. No, that's not it. The, the word says, I wrote it down, Acts 13, 36 says, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. He had served his own generation. There's a story. I don't know if it's true, but I tell it like it was because it was told to me that Mordecai Ham was an evangelist that had a tent ministry and he went around doing tent meetings and that he was especially despondent after one tent meeting that only one person got born again. And he was complaining about that. But, you know, as you've heard the story, that one person was Billy Graham. Yeah, wow. So you just never know. You can, you, you, you can know how many seeds are in an apple, but you don't know how many apples are in a seed. It just, it just goes and goes and goes. I've complained, and the Lord didn't inhabit any of my complaints, <laughs> about my past and how uh, I spent a lot of years pouring my life into people in a church, West Texas. And I, I told Deborah that day, I said, I can't tell that anybody is changed or different or powerful because of what I did. But then she reminded me, and then the Lord reminded me that I was wrong, that you couldn't measure it, and that it did have great significance. And since then, I've even had people that wrote me and said, I am because of what you did or what you invested or whatever. Not me. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about all of us have great import into people's lives that we can't really measure and, and, and value our lives saying, well, I, I'm valuable because they told me so. 
Well, then you could get unvaluable because they told you so. And, they, you know, you can't go by that. Um, so I think there's two things, and we'll quit with this. There's two ways to look at this, at least two. One thing, you could just be faithful over little, and nothing ever happens. You're an unsung disciple. You're a mother. You got little ones. You got a daddy. You did a good job of supplying for your family. You, you went to church. You did Sunday school. Whatever people do that's uh, just ordinary life. And you could be an unsung uh, uh, but faithful person in your life and never really have a significant moment where, where they stood you up and say, this is Billy Graham, and he was the only convert I had. Or you could be, in a vision, someone like Moses. Now, we know the story of Moses. He had a significant childhood. He should have died. The Lord rescued him and put him in Pharaoh's house for a season. And he became a son of Pharaoh by however their laws and their rules work. But then he found out that he was a Hebrew, and he jumped ship, so to speak. And so when he jumped ship, he, he killed somebody, and he shouldn't have, and had to run off, and it was terrible. And he had no significance whatsoever. Do you all know he was 40 years on the backside of, is it the Midian Desert? The, he, it was a long stretch of sand, is all I'm going to say. And he, he married out there and had his father-in-law and everything. And there was nothing to him. He had had this great start because he alone could approach Pharaoh, the most powerful, the, the God of this world. And he had nothing. And yet he just kept meditating. The Word talks about how he just kept himself before the Lord in a time of seemingly drought or inactivity nothing happening, thinking, my life is a bust. But suddenly, he saw the burning bush, and the Lord instructed him. And he instructed him to go and talk to Pharaoh. And you think about that. He only did it 11 or 12 times. I, I studied it out, trying to figure out how many, and it's kind of vague, but a dozen times or so. He went before Pharaoh, and what did he say to the most powerful entity on the world in the world? He, he alone could be, he alone had access to Pharaoh. You couldn't just send in some night rider or some vigilante or someone that was a protester and say, let my people go. It had to be Moses or you didn't get into the, the throne room area where Pharaoh was. It's a big deal. Egypt was the world and Pharaoh was the, the, the king of the world. And so uh, Moses gets in there. And he not only just says, please, pretty please, sugar on top. He, he said, let my people go, thus saith the Lord. So his whole life, he was, how old was he? Was he 80? He was up there. Had no significance until the end. And the Lord sent him in like, a, like on a football team where you send in somebody that's better at whatever they do than anybody you send out little Joe Blow and, and you put Bubba in there and he just clears a path for everybody and they make a touchdown, but you can't use him the rest of the game. Well, that's what Moses was. He was a nobody from nowhere, but he had access. 
And you and I have access. Maybe not to the king, but we have access to people. Certain people that you've befriended, that you have been known. And Moses was a nobody from nowhere, but God used him at the end, and he became one of the mightiest men in the, in the Bible, in the kingdom. God used him, and sure enough, because he persevered, and God backed him with the ten plagues, the people got let go, and Israel was set free after 430 years. I'd say that Moses was pretty significant, but it didn't happen till the last minute. And I'm saying you can go out of this world and never have anything except you were faithful over little and never realize, never have a, a countdown of the fame that you were and the value you were and the worth you were to your generation. And it doesn't matter. Or you may get surprised at the end when the Lord sends you in front of Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And you're the only one that could go there. You know there are people that only you can go there. Every one of you has somebody in your life that I can't access and even your wife or husband can't access. You have access and the Lord has saved you for that access because he thinks that's important. He thinks that has value. He thinks your significance of just being raised up faithful over little, but not really getting to be an apostle or a prophet or a, you know, whatever, that just to save you for the moment in time where you will pull the pin and let the captives go free is still in front of us. It's, you're still alive, but it's still in front of you. Who knows who you will lay hands on on their deathbed because you got in the room because his wife said, yeah, let him in. And you went in there and raised him up. Now, how significant is that? Well, if you're in the world, it's not. But if you're in the kingdom of heaven, it's major headlines. He thinks it's important because he would send somebody in for you. If you were on that bed, he would find someone that has access and send them in to speak the word of life into your body and raise you up, raise you from the dead. So there's an end to this. It's impossible that you can't be master over much when you're faithful over little, but you have to see it. You can't count it like men count promotion or increase. You can't, you can't add it up and say, we got this much money and we've gone this far and we've got, I'm, I'm the CEO of this or that. You can't do it that way. You just have to do what the Lord says faithfully. And when you have a vision of that, greatness will come. What makes the great great? It's vision. It's impossible that you will not be raised up to a place of greatness if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. I'm excited about 2022. This 20 and, 2020 and 2021 was kind of a booger. Can you use that word in church? It was a booger. Not that we suffered under it, that we, you know, were uh, hospitalized or lost our money or whatever happens to people just in life. But because we sustained ourselves on uh, the, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Just staying on that doesn't seem like it's really wild eyed and it doesn't seem like you went to the nations and did this and that. It just seems like I just stayed steady. I stayed in the secret place of the Most High. 
Now you're ready to go into Pharaoh's chamber and set the captives free. What else is life? Truly, saints, after you get born again, what else is life? Why don't we just go to heaven? Why don't we just buzz out? Because this is tough down here. There's a lot of nasty things and nasty people doing nasty things. And we don't need that. We don't deserve that. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've been raised up with him in heavenly places. Well, it's because God's vision has to be put in the hearts of people in order to carry out his work. You know, people say, well, look what the Lord did. You know, uh, and you know, and who was it that said, uh, you ought to have seen it before the Lord got it. You know, uh, he used you. We sang the song this morning. Uh, what was the first line of that song? Which song? You're supposed to be in the spirit, girl. <laughs> uh, he can move mountains. What was that? What's the first line of that song? Our God is awesome. He can move mountains. Well, that's great. But he's God. We expect that. What's great is we can move mountains. That's what makes him awesome is he's delegated it to us. Gosh, what a lot of trust that is. It's, it's either foolish or it's the smartest thing that's ever been done. But he, we can move mountains. So what are we down here on the earth for? To hold the vision of the Holy Ghost for our generation, for my life, for my generation. I wouldn't ask anybody, I wouldn't encourage anybody to do anything I've ever done for the kingdom. I, I'm in a unique uh, pattern, as it were, but so are each one of you. We don't want to trade these, no matter what you're in charge of or how much money we have or whatever. We don't want to trade. We want to have our vision and be found faithful over little. And so we shall. So I want to start this this morning and go through however long it goes. I don't know. And get ourselves ready for 2022 so that we don't miss a day. Now I know, I know, you know, I know everybody gets these messages and gets pumped up in December and then, then it's back to normal. But I believe we're at the place where we can take ground and have such a supernatural year in 2022. Think about this. If the Lord is coming back, just, just pretend that he really is coming back and that he really is coming back in your lifetime and that he really is coming back in four to seven to ten years. Then all the things that he's already said that he's going to do concerning moving money and revival and outpourings, we're, we're in a shortened, we're in the red zone. We're in the red zone. There's not as much place to throw it out there or run it around. We're in the red zone. It's squeezed up. He's going to do some things amazingly fast through regular people. Because there, there are no other people than regular people. And Benny Hinn's a regular people. Just because he's on TV doesn't mean a thing. So, amen. We're going to do something with the kingdom. And if he... If he, if he if he, if he woofs on us and he doesn't come for 45 or 60 more years, guess what? We'll have been found faithful over our generation. We will have been found doing the kingdom and pushing it for the next generation. We'll be preparing a place for them. 
Kenneth Copeland prepared prosperity for the kingdom of God back in the 60s. And he took all sorts of persecution. They still wail on him. If you get a documentary or some worldly thing and talk about these faith preachers and all that. But he made a way for all of us to prosper. I mean, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about getting us where we can even receive, even here to receive that message. Uh, uh, Oral Roberts prepared a way for healing to be common back when it was practically heretical to believe that God still heals. So here we are, perfectly positioned to do something great with what God's done with them for us. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand up and let's lift our hands before the Lord who is great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we, we praise you this day. We exalt you in this place and we surrender our lives to you. Oh, more than ever. Not just again, but more than ever again. Lord, thank you for surprising us with your goodness. We are blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Let's sing a song. Praise God.